Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Tuesday, December 22nd. We're finally seeing some light at the end of the pandemic tunnel with a coronavirus vaccine rollout underway. But what about poor countries with little access to the vaccine? We'll talk to a cultural commentator from one of our global radio sister stations about the have and have not countries. What does the future hold for professional sports, athletes and fans? We look ahead to 2021 and beyond with sports economist Moshe Lander. It's going to be a very different Christmas for everyone, but maybe particularly hard on the little ones. We've got tips for helping kids cope with a COVID Christmas from author and child psychologist Dr. Jody Carrington. And we've got details on a new province-wide 50-50 draw in conjunction with the IIHF World Junior Hockey Championship in Edmonton over the Christmas holidays. 610 on a snowy Tuesday morning. We're finally starting to see the light at the end of the pandemic tunnel. But as COVID vaccines roll out in Canada and several other countries around the world, do poorer countries have equal access to the vaccine? Mira Estrada is a cultural commentator and co-host of Cultured on Global News Radio 640 in Toronto. And she joins us now with her take. Morning, Mira. Good morning. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you wrote an article recently for Global News, and, and in it you talk about 87% of the world's population not likely to get this vaccine anytime quickly. Tell us what you found out when you started looking into this. Mm-hmm. So the World Health Organization, COVAX, their program is really the main global scheme that is going to be vaccinating people in poor and middle-income countries around the world. And they even to meet their target of just vaccinating 20% of those people, they need an additional uh, 4.9, so almost 5 million billion, sorry, dollars um, to do so. And so they need that funding. But more than that, they need the supply. And so that's when the wealthier countries, most of them have snapped up that supply and they've snapped up more than they need. Even Canada, we have right now about five to six times more dosage uh, we've reserved than our population. And that's the case for a lot of these other countries um, that have already started their vaccination rollout. So it's a bit of a twofold problem um, that's going to see a majority of the world's population not seeing the vaccine until at least 2024. And I mean, that affects the rest of us, you know, ultimately, even with the money that we're able to purchase the vaccines for here in Canada, for example, I mean, you want to travel, you want to do other things. When other countries are, are not able to vaccinate their people, that that's just means a, an issue for everybody on the planet. For sure. I mean, I, there was actually this, it was a study by the Rand Corporation, and they found that if only the wealthy and vaccine-producing nations had access to these injections, the world economy would actually lose $292 billion in value compared to if we all had access. So it's, it, like you said, it co- it's a financial costing to the entire globe if we don't have access. It also really puts the inequalities even further because what happens if we get those 
immunity passports and then people can't travel, right? Like we are very, so interconnected now as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we know there are some very wealthy individuals who are trying to contribute, trying to give money to make sure that the vaccine does go to some of these, these countries, but it's not enough. So what would you like to see happen? What do you think needs to be, you know, a step? Is it, is it we give back some of the vaccine or contribute money to make sure other countries get it? Yeah, I mean, I think for sure, one of the big things is I think there needs to be some pressure on the pharma companies as well because a part of that is they they need to the pharmaceuticals need to share their patents and their technologies um, in order for other companies to mass produce and distribute this around the globe. And so right now, some of them have kept very mum about sharing this technology this is a global pandemic affecting people on a global scale and so that needs to be shared that technology needs to be shared so more companies can produce this and again we also need to share i think canada can actually be a leader in that and step up and show yes we're going to be returning some of this excess supply that we have yes we can donate and i just sort of did a quick analysis, I just wanted to show the amount of wealth that's out there, even with individuals, like there are individuals that have hundreds of billions of dollars. And when you just think of 5 billion that needs to be raised, it sounds like a huge amount, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not really a huge amount Mm -hmm. when you think about the wealth that is in the world. So much money involved in this, isn't there? And Mira, I mean, you've got a pretty personal story that's a backstory that really kind of was the impetus to writing this article too. Yeah, I mean, just when you think about if you're intimately linked to poverty, I mean, for me, um, my parents are from India. My father grew up extreme in extreme poverty. His father died when he was very, very young, and he died of asthma. And even then, asthma is something that is very treatable. You know, you have an inhaler. You think of an inhaler as you know almost nothing, right? Um, they couldn't afford. They could not afford that sort of basic access to medication because of their poverty. And my grandfather ended up passing away very young. My grandmother was widowed very young with four children. And to me, that is not just a statistic. There are so, you know, when we look at these numbers of deaths and people just see it as this number. No, there's a person behind each of those numbers. And that person, whether they have all the money in the world or no money in the world, they matter to somebody. Just like my grandfather mattered to his children and matters to me. I think of all of these other people who are going to die in that waiting game of a vaccine. They matter. Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, one of the things that people who argue that, you know, the restrictions are, are too great and, and, you know, this isn't as bad as people talk about. If if you've lost somebody, you understand it perhaps a little bit better. But I think really, you know, this discussion just sort of, it, it brings up the, the, the haves and the have-nots really around the world, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, and I think... You know, I I always go back to this. I remember seeing Madonna in his bathtub and she was, I don't know, she was amusing in his bathtub about, oh, COVID is this great equalizer. And even that, it was funny that she's in this rose petal bathtub talking about this. But it is so far from the great equalizer. We've seen how it has almost affected some people, not at all, and the others, they have lost everything. And almost the people who couldn't, bear to lose anything or have lost even further. I've heard the saying, and it really rings true, doesn't it? Until everybody is protected, nobody is protected. 
Yeah, 100% agree, yeah. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Appreciate the article you wrote for Global News and uh, you joining us this morning. Thanks, Mira. Thanks so much. Have a great day. That is Mira Estrada, cultural commentator, co-host of Cultured on Global News Radio 640 in Toronto. 8.12 now, and the pandemic has most definitely impacted virtually every industry out there, and the world of sports is no exception. So what does the future hold for athletes and for fans and sports overall? With a look ahead into 2021 and beyond, we're joined this morning by Moshe Lander, Professor of Economics at Concordia University. With a specialization in sports, he's the man to go to. Good morning, Moshe. Good morning. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. You know, we've yet to see, well, have we seen any fans in the stands at all or sort of a, a few speckled here and there in 2020? Yeah, there's a few that are being let in. And of course, you can imagine that the states that are maybe a little more uh, relaxed about COVID yeah. uh, are a little more permissive in letting teams put fans in. But, you know, even the owners recognize that trying to cram, you know, 50, 60,000 fans in, say, a football stadium is probably not going to go down well with uh, public opinion, even, you know, in the broader sense. So mm-hmm. you, you're seeing maybe a few thousand here and there, but uh, most places are still pretty closed. Well, what are your thoughts on seeing fans in the stands? When do you think it's going to happen again? You know, I'm pessimistic, and I don't think that we're really going to see it in 2021. Just kind of the way that the the sports calendar plays out. Uh, you know, hockey and, and basketball. Basketball starts tonight, in fact. Uh, hockey's going to start, say, in the next you know month to six weeks, and they're going to try and wrap up their season by the summer. So, with trying to get the the vaccine rolled out, seeing if it's effective, seeing the numbers kind of stabilize and then drop. It, it, it's probably not going to happen in this upcoming season that you're going to be able to put in fifteen to 20,000 fans in hockey and basketball arenas. So, you know, at best, we're looking at what's it going to look like in October and November when those new seasons try and start again. Uh, football's coming to an end. It doesn't start until Labor Day. Uh, you, you know, unless things are really looking good then, I can't see sixty to 70,000 fans in football stadiums. And baseball is just walking from one crisis to the next in yeah. general. I'm not sure how they're going to do with fans either. You know, as an economics professor, what does that mean to the bottom line and, and you know, the, the money coming in? Let's face it, I don't think anybody is terribly sad for the amount of money that, uh, you know, sports teams hold, maybe are losing through the year. But it really, it takes a, a lot to run a, a major sports team like that, any of those leagues, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, these are not the giants of uh, industry, right? If you take a look at the most valuable sports franchises, they're, they're a fraction of the size of some of the largest, you know, Apple, Microsoft, and, and other mm-hmm. types of tech companies. So they're, they're very small, but, you know, they're very... Um, passionate for their fan bases in, in, in a way that Microsoft and Apple would not be. And so, you know, they're, they're certainly going to suffer losses, and some of them might suffer almost existential-type threats. You know, CFL franchises might very well find themselves in trouble if they can't pull off a season with fans uh, and, and other sports teams that rely on ticket sales are going to find that that's a real problem. Those that are kind of reliant on, say, TV um, revenue for, for kind of funding operations might be a little more safe. You could imagine something like a, an auto race. Uh, it, it's great if you can pack 100,000 fans into watching an auto race, but the fact is that uh, people watching on TV couldn't care less how many fans are in the grandstand. Mm-hmm. So those types of things are going to kind of affect different teams differently. But uh, 2021 is going to be a real struggle for all sports leagues and, and most franchises. Let's talk about the CFL particularly. What impact will that have, you know, being dark for an entire season moving forward? 
at least they're going to have a season in theory, um, right? They lost out last year. And so, you know, the CFL is one of those weird sports where it has an unbelievably passionate, uh, hardcore set of fans, but it's a very small set of fans. And so, you, you know, the longer that that sport is out of sight, out of mind, the more dangerous that it becomes that those fans might realize that they can live without the CFL and they might not come back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the franchises in Winnipeg, in uh, Regina, in Edmonton, and certainly in Calgary, um, they have probably deep enough roots within the community that they'll be able to withstand uh, losses for another year, very likely, and still come out in 2022 uh, in decent enough shape that they can continue. But some of those uh, franchises in Montreal and Hamilton, Ottawa, they could find themselves very precarious between existing and not existing. And it's entirely possible that the CFL could look at maybe contracting for a couple of years uh, just as a way to try and kind of restabilize the league and then let those franchises back in once things return to normal. Yeah, normal quotation marks, right? Thank you so much for joining us. I know every CFL fan, we've got a lot of Calgary Stampede and, and, and other team fans here in this province, and we are waiting for the CFL to come back. So hopefully it shall. Thanks so much for joining us. Anytime. Appreciate it. That is Moshe Lander, who is an economics prof at Concordia University. 820 and new public health restrictions are difficult on all of us, let's face it, and maybe even more so young kids during this holiday season. Dr. Jody Carrington is an author and child psychologist and joins us now with some tips to help get our kids coping through this pandemic and the Christmas season. Good morning, Jody. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thank you so much for talking to us this morning. I think, you know, sometimes we don't give kids enough credit. They're very resilient. But is this a really difficult one for them not getting to see, you know, grandparents perhaps and cousins, etc.? Yeah, it's, it certainly can be, right? We're, we're wired for connection. And I think that, you know, we, we do better when we're in the physical presence of the people we love. And um, for this season, I think what's really critical to think about is not so much the kids. I'm, I often say this. I'm a child psychologist, and I rarely hang out or treat kids. I, I don't even like them on most days except for my <laughs> own. I, they're all right. But I think most um, parents would agree with you at some point. You, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, Mama? Um, but the deal is, if the big people are okay, the little people will be just fine. And it's like they're, they're watching to see how we respond. So if, if this is a big deal to us, it'll be a big deal to them. And if it is a big deal to us and we talk about it, this is going to be so hard. This is how we're going to manage it. Then our kids will figure out how to do that too. See, because they, they don't have the ability to navigate big things. They look to big people to see how to navigate it. And so when we look after each other and lean on each other and then serve these babies, then they're going to be just fine. Yeah. And let's face it. I mean, they read us well, well, right? I mean, they, even if we don't say it aloud, they know what we're thinking. So better to, to have that communication. Absolutely. And I think that's part of it, right? When we just like pretend it's not happening or we're like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. We marry Poppins, the friggin' love out of everything. <laughs> they pick that up from the parking lot, right? So it's like, okay, I often ask uh, kids this question, you know, what is the hardest part? What is the hardest part? Mm-hmm. And we make assumptions about it's like, oh, they don't get to see their friends or they don't get to, you know, do whatever. But it, it can be things that will surprise you. So having that, uh, you know, that question about what is the hardest part, um, I think is really important to sink into that emotion. And then you come up the other side. How are we going to make this the best Christmas we've ever had? So don't tell them how they should feel. Ask them how they're feeling. Yeah. Ask them how they're feeling and then show them how to handle it. 
Perfect. I could talk to you all day. Thanks so much for joining us. I wish we had longer, but uh, great tips. And, and we'll go to your website. I'll send folks there. Uh, if they have any other questions, they can certainly uh, get in touch with you that way, right? Amazing. You betcha. Thank you so much for having me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. That is Dr. Jody Carrington, author, child psychologist. And you can go to her website, drjodycarrington.com. 720 now, silver and gold. Definitely what they're after at the IIHF World Junior Championships in Edmonton, opening up on Christmas Day, I believe. And along with that comes a province-wide 50-50 draw. With all the details, joining us this morning, Riley Wichar, who is the executive director of the competition, joining us with how we might be able to win big this Christmas. Hi, Riley. Good morning. How are you doing? Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. So uh, the big world juniors taking place in Edmonton. When uh, official opening day? Official opening day is December 25th, but we actually have uh, two pre-competition games today. So it opens up today. Okay, very exciting. And along with that comes this great 50-50 province-wide. So it's not one draw. Will it be daily draws, Riley? How's it going to work? It will be, yeah. For the first time ever, we're we're able to offer this 50-50 for the whole province. Uh, essentially, starting today, we've got 12 separate draws. So any day there's a game, uh, there's a draw. So starting today, people can go online and, and purchase their tickets, and you get 12 chances to win if you purchase 12 times. Fantastic. How much are tickets to get in on this? They started as low as $5. So you can get one ticket for 5 uh, 10 tickets for 10 60 tickets for 20 and then you can even get 200 tickets for $50. Ooh, okay, that's awesome. Now we know we get the 50. Where's the other 50 going? So it goes to a great cause. It goes to the Hockey Alberta Foundation, um, and all the money goes into hockey programs for grassroots. So getting kids into the game, helping out coaches, uh, really just giving back throughout the province uh, to support hockey. And these might be kids who uh, otherwise might not be able to access the sport of hockey. Absolutely. Yeah, our goal is to try and grow the game and, and provide opportunities for kids to play. And this is one way we figured we could do it, uh, seeing how we're not allowed to have fans this year uh, in the stands. We're trying to grow the, the game organically throughout the province. Definitely going to get people excited. First time we've had a province-wide 50-50 draw. So does that literally mean that if you live outside of the Alberta boundaries, you can't participate? Correct. Yeah, you have to be an Alberta resident uh, and living in the province. And, uh, you know, you can you can buy tickets as far as Fort McMurray all the way down to Canmore. So as long as you're in Alberta and you're over 18, you can purchase tickets. Okay, I know you won't know until everybody buys the tickets what the, 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 the jackpot potentially could be. But what are you expecting here? I think it's going to be huge. Um, you know, we've, we've seen Alberta and how they support 50-50 in the past, whether it's uh, the Edmonton Oilers or the Edmonton Football Club or even World Juniors back in 2012. Uh, we think Alberta, the residents of Alberta love 50-50. This is kind of the province that makes it happen. So we're expecting draws in the millions throughout the entire event. Tell us how we get our 50-50 tickets, Riley. Go to hockeycanada.ca slash 50-50. So hockeycanada.ca slash 50-50. Uh, it opens at 9 a.m. Mountain Time this morning. I encourage everyone to get there, get your tickets, and good luck. Easy as that. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. That is Riley Wichar, who is the executive director of the 2021 IA. IIHF World Junior Championship kicking off in Edmonton. The draws begin. You're able to start buying your 50-50 tickets as of today. Again, hockeycanada.ca slash 50-50.